You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, where we post all of our content. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. The show for Packer fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775. We are going to get to a bunch of questions today. And one of the reasons I wanted to do that is because between what happened on Sunday with the Packers losing to the Cardinals and Mike McCarthy being fired, and then now that you're listening to this, Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst held a joint press conference and Joe Philbin addressed the media as interim head coach for the first time. We heard information and quotes from Aaron Rodgers, from Devontae Adams, from a number of former players, from peers, from coaches, and there's a lot of information right now to try and process. And if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm still working through a lot of it. And this has been one of the more difficult shows that I've ever had to prep for on this podcast because there's so many moving parts and there's so many things to think about from what Joe Philbin is going to be like as a head coach in the interim, the next four games, and what that means for his future, what the structure of the coaching search is going to look like for the Packers and how the structure of this front office might affect not only the search, but the potential candidates. And then there is the part about the candidates. Who are those coaches going to be? Apparently the Packers already have a short list that they are working off of. And I'm sure they'll they'll interview many more coaches than are just on that short list. When they finally made the hire with Mike McCarthy, I think they interviewed something like 10 candidates, something crazy like that. And not every team is going to do that, but this team is probably going to turn over every rock and they should. But that makes for a long and arduous process as we move forward here. Mark Murphy said they're probably not going to make a hire until January, until the end of the season, in part because you have to go through the process of interviewing current coaches, coaches that are probably going to be in the playoffs, coaches like Josh McDaniels, coaches like John DiFilippo. And so we're going to talk about that as well over the course of the next few weeks and months and, and however long it takes for them to get a new head coach, hopefully not months. But there's also reporting out there already about connections with Josh McDaniels and coaches in the league believing and, and getting excited for that potential partnership. So we're going to talk about that and a lot more on today's show. But I want to start just with the, the most basic elemental part of all of this, and that is the current head coach for the Green Bay Packers is Joe Philbin. His stint in Miami as the head coach did not go well, but you go back to his time in Green Bay and the best seasons of Aaron Rodgers' career all came with Joe Philbin. 
as offensive coordinator. And although he didn't call plays, he's going to call plays now. And what we learned from James Jones on NFL Network was it was actually the case that in practice, Joe Philbin was calling the plays. And he often acted as a liaison for the players when they didn't, when they, when they saw something or when they didn't like something or when they wanted to run something or they had an idea or, you know, feedback or whatever it was, they went to Joe first and either he would take it to McCarthy or the players would take it to McCarthy. But he was someone that had a really good relationship with a lot of the players. Randall Cobb had a relationship with Joe Philbin. Aaron Rodgers clearly had a relationship with Joe Philbin, David Bakhtiari, Brian Bulaga. I mean, you can go back through the annals of history and look at the players that were on this team when Joe Philbin was here. There are still holdovers. Now, he doesn't know the defense quite as well and admitted that, and and I don't know if that's going to be a problem because I think he's going to let Mike Patton deal with that. But we don't know what this offense is going to look like under Joe Philbin. Now, One of the differences is the attitude could be different. And in soccer, they talk about the dead cat bounce a lot. A coach gets fired, a manager gets fired, and the team immediately plays better simply because they're no longer playing for a coach they didn't want to play for. And this happened in Cleveland, and they came back to life on Sunday against the Texans. They got their butts kicked, and it turns out that team is just not that good. And it may turn out that this Green Bay team is just not as talented as we thought. But clearly they think they are, or you wouldn't make this move now. Because if you didn't think that this was a talented team, a team capable of making a run at a Super Bowl, then you don't fire a Super Bowl winning head coach during the season. Clearly this team thinks it's better than it is. But one of the disconnects was this issue with Mike McCarthy in the locker room. We talked about it yesterday. And there were some, you know, a a lot of reports that McCarthy and Rodgers did not work great together by the end. But James Jones was one of the people that said it was like a marriage. They were going to have fights, but at the end of the day, they respected each other. They cared about each other. Mike McCarthy has has talked about that uh, in, in his interview in the Fox lead up to the game. He talked about wanting to open communication again with Aaron Rodgers and get back to the kind of relationship they used to have and and that he he thought Aaron Rodgers was such a great person, not just a football player and off the field. Rodgers talked glowingly about McCarthy and the partnership that they had developed. And I think what we have to remember is is even if the coaches didn't always give the right message to the players or the players didn't always receive the message in the right kind of way. If you asked Eagles players after Andy Reid was fired in Philadelphia, they will tell you almost to a man, and we heard this after the fact, that they liked Andy Reid. They respected Andy Reid. Sometimes you just need to make a change. And that was something that that Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst echoed in their press conference. Sometimes you just need to make a change. I do think Aaron Rodgers respects Mike McCarthy. But there's there is a difference between respecting someone and having confidence in their ability to effectively call an offense. I mean, I respect my dad, but I wouldn't let him call plays for the Green Bay Packers. So, I mean, they're, they're, just because you care about someone and respect them doesn't mean you necessarily think they're good at their job. I do think my dad is good at his job, 
But his job is not to call plays for Green Bay. His, his job is not to be the leader of a program, of a franchise. And so that is where I think this, this disconnect really comes into play. And, and potentially, when you look at Aaron Rodgers, you might say he loves Joe Philbin. And he wants to play for Joe Philbin. And he wants to, he wants to maybe play a little bit harder. And maybe he'll play with more confidence believing Joe is the right guy to call this offense right now in this moment. And I think that's the reason when you, when you, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but when you, when you look at why did they give this title to Joe Philbin and not Mike Patton, I think the answer number one is Joe Philbin has a history with this team. He knows more players on this team and, and has engendered more respect from this team. Even if Mike Patton has done a better job this year. But I think number two, the thing that I think really brought down Mike McCarthy was the play of this offense. So what you have to do is you have to take stock of how big a difference is it. If Joe Philbin is calling plays, if someone else is calling plays, because other than his brief dalliance with not calling the plays in 2015, Mike McCarthy has always been the play caller for Aaron Rodgers. And so has the breakdown of this offense stemmed solely from this issue with play calling and the disconnect between McCarthy and Rodgers. And obviously execution has been a part of it and inexperience and the personnel deficiencies after the injuries. But how much of this is because of the job Mike McCarthy did? You promote Joe Philbin and you get to the core of that. Now, let me get to this question from Corey from Minnesota. Do you think the Rodgers-McCarthy feud is being overstated? Rodgers is already being vilified by some pundits. I don't quite see it. Most of the veterans on this team seem disenfranchised and beaten, not just Rodgers. It's been clear for weeks that this team has holistically lost their will to compete, minus a few exceptions like Jair Alexander. I don't know that they've lost their will, but I think when you don't trust the, the plan, and you don't trust the process, no no pun intended with what's going on in Philly and all of the process talk there. But when you don't have confidence in the plan, it makes it harder to execute it with verve, with vigor, with, with any sort of energy level. And I think we saw that pretty consistently over the course of the season. It wasn't just Aaron Rodgers that was doing that. The whole team w- was feeling the burden of not believing in this coaching staff. And so, I I mean, I think it's going to take a specific coach to come in and succeed. And that's not the same as being not coachable. I was having this discussion with um, a a former person who worked in the league yesterday about this, this difference between, okay, he needs the right coach to succeed versus not being coachable. Aaron Rodgers is coachable. It just has to be the right coach. And I think that is true for almost every quarterback. They need the right coach. They need the right guy to bring them to their maximum potential. Drew Brees needed Sean Payton. I mean, that's just objectively true. Now, like someone like Peyton Manning, the reason I think his greatness is underrated is because he brought that greatness with him everywhere he went. That was his offense. He developed it. Mike McCoy got credit for an offense that was not his and is still living off that offense. Not his offense. That's Peyton Manning's offense. And Peyton Manning's offense impacted and affected and inspired the modern offense that we see 
in the NFL right now with the shotgun and the spread and the and the changes at the line. I mean, everything that offenses do in the modern game, you can talk about the spread concepts and the college concepts, but the, the crux of it is the offense that developed by Peyton Manning. So Aaron Rodgers is not doing that, and that's fine. But he does need the right coach, and that is the part that I think a lot of fans want to focus on right now, and there's a lot of mechanisms in here to discuss. Number one, Mark Murphy is going to make that decision. He's going to make that decision with the input of Brian Gutekinds. He's going to be a big part of the coaching search. I know this is a big question for a lot of fans. What? How does this structure affect what's going to happen? Mark Murphy is going to make the decision. But what I thought was telling in the press conference was all of the football-specific questions about evaluating talent, about evaluating coaches, about evaluating Aaron Rodgers and their relationship, all of that kind of stuff, Brian Gutekinst handled the way a GM should handle it. And it wasn't like Mark Murphy looked at Brian. Brian spoke. He, with confidence, addressed those issues. And then when it was 30,000-foot view stuff, when it was cultural, when it was philosophical, that was when Mark Murphy was stepping in like a president should. So I, I, I don't know that we have enough evidence right now to suggest that the structure here is going to be an impediment to their finding a coach. They are going to work together to make this decision like any other organization would. And you can say, okay, well, you know, in other organizations where the GM is, is fully in charge, he gets to make the call, he gets to make the hire. And theoretically, that's true. But does anyone really think hands-off owner Bob Kraft would not be consulted and have final say on who the next Patriots head coach is going to be? Does anyone think that Paul Allen, when he was alive, would have just said, okay, Pete Carroll's retiring, John Schneider, you're going to make the next head coach, and and no one in the Allen family is going to have any say over that? That's just not true. This is a new setup for the Packers organization. But I don't know that it's necessarily new in the NFL. The siloed approach is a little bit unique. It's a little bit different. It's scarier to a lot of people than it is to me. I don't see as much downside because I just think Mark Murphy is smart enough to know. He is experienced enough to know. He is not some bureaucrat who's come down from the board of directors to come and and run football operations. That's not who he is. He's a former NFL player. He is a former athletic director and the, the, the former but still president of this team. Now, that president was looked a little different a couple years ago, but that experience is pretty significant. And if, if a team needed a general manager or, or not, not a general manager, but like a director of player operations, something like that, Mark Murphy would be eminently qualified. So this is not like when when the Panthers made Marty Herney their general manager and you're talking about, okay, here's a journalist. Or when the Eagles tabbed Howie Roseman, who's a lawyer. I mean, th- this is this is not that scary to have Mark, Mark Murphy have final say here. Someone has to have final say, and it's him. And in most organizations, it would be someone, not the GM, that would get to finally sign off. The fact that Mark Murphy is saying, I'm going to make the decision, in some ways insulates Brian Gutekinst and Mark Murphy has said, eventually, I may give up these duties to Brian Gutekunst. And if you want to take the generous reading of all of this, you could say, well, what he wants to do is he wants to get everything in place 
And then if it doesn't work, you say, okay, well, Brian is going to make this choice. He's going to make the next decision because Mark Mike McCarthy was not his call. But this next coach is going to be part of his decision. And they're going to make that decision together. And that coach is either going to sink or swim. And if he sinks, then it's going to be up to Brian. Brian, you make the next call on the head coach. And then if that doesn't work, that's when Mark Murphy can say, here's what we're going to do. New GM, new coach. So from that standpoint, it actually makes a lot of sense for self-preservation purposes for Mark Murphy because he gets to take himself out of the equation. So he makes this decision and then it's like, okay, now Brian gets to make the next coaching hire if this one doesn't work out. And if that doesn't work, then that's on Brian and we need to figure this out moving forward. Like I said, I'm not as worried about it as others are, but it's still something that that is different and it does matter, and, and we know it matters because there was reporting from Charles Robinson on Monday from Yahoo that Josh McDaniels, there's always already momentum for his interest in Green Bay and that Green Bay would have interest in him. And coaches around the league have already said, I want to go be a part of that. And, and according to, to Robinson, at least one coach turned down a college coordinator position in the hopes that he could join this new staff and there's already been, you know, some some rumors and maybe some fever dreaming that that coach is Cliff Kingsbury. He was a quarterback on the New England Patriots in 2003 when Josh McDaniels was an assistant coach. So there is a, a vague connection there, but that McDaniels has been advised that to be wary of the organizational structure in the Green Bay Packers because he would report directly to the coach, not the GM, and that that could be a weird thing, which is, to me, a a strange take from someone talking to a Patriots player when Bill Belichick has ultimate autonomy. And I would think a, a coach like that would want more leeway to talk to a de facto owner than just to have to go through the GM to get anything happening. We saw when Mike McCarthy had to run everything by Ted Thompson that Ted Thompson was often intransigent in acquiescing to those requests. He would just be like, nah, we're not going to sign free agents. Or no, we're not going to do this, or no, we're not going to do that. And it was his decision. So who was to say he was wrong? And that, I think, created tension with, with Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson. And that's why Mark Murphy created this new siloed approach. So I think Mark Murphy said this in the press conference. I think it's possible that some coaches will see this corporate structure as a selling point rather than uh, a a minus for the Packers because you do have that direct line of communication to the guy in charge who seems to have a good working relationship with the general manager. And the general manager apparently had a good working relationship with Mike McCarthy. So until this all goes south, until we see evidence that this is going to go sour. I don't think we can we can say, oh, this is something that that the Packers should be nervous about or fans should be nervous about. There's just no evidence to suggest that's the case. And speaking of being worried, don't be worried about staying warm this winter because you should know by now about Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. It's perfect for any friend or family member on your holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders. You have a cousin or a friend or a parent who is going to go on a ski trip this winter. You know what would be great? 
staying warm when it's cold and wet and snowy. I know the only downside to skiing is trying to stay warm. Action Heat Clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. My feet always get cold while I'm skiing. I would love some battery heated socks so my feet stay warm while I'm trying to fly down the hill. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm even in the most frigid winter weather. And right now, Action Heat will give Locked On Packers listeners an additional 20% off at actionheat.com slash locked on. Go to actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. All right, I want to get to a couple quick questions here before we get out of here, starting with Nick from Houston. Hey, Peter, what's happening? This is Nick from Houston, Texas. Uh, After the presser today, I'm a little scared of Mark Murphy leading this uh, coaching search. Uh, I'm not even sure he even knows who Lincoln Riley is. Uh, My question is, how, in your mind, do you see the actual process of the coaching search playing out between Gutekunst and Mark Murphy? I'd feel much better if it was something like Gutekunst putting together the list of candidates, bringing it to Mark, and then they go over it together um, rather than the other way around. So just had you know, question to see if you what were your thoughts on how that would work. Thanks, Peter. So this is something that I brought up earlier, and I think it bears repeating here. Uh, I know that Nick is not the only Packer fan that has this concern. And apparently it's it's something that I think, you know, co- potential coaching candidates are going to want some clarity on just who is in charge here. And I think pretty clearly it's Mark Murphy. Now, he did say in the press conference that they're going to come to a consensus. And Brian Gutekinds played the the good role of that's my boss and said, we're confident that we're going to make a consensus decision. Mark Murphy echoed those words. They're going to make a decision together. And the fact that they already have a list of candidates suggests they're in agreement about the direction that this team needs to take. And so to to say, oh, I don't know if Mark Murphy knows who Lincoln Riley is, I, I think that is not giving Mark Murphy enough credit. Number one, he still has Brian Gutekunst to, to call on. And I think number two, he's still a person in the world. And he's a person in the world who lives and breathes football. He has basically his entire adult life. To make it seem like he just doesn't know these college coaching candidates, I think does him a tremendous disservice. But more to the point, Brian Gutekinds does know who that is. And he can say, hey, I think this is someone we should talk to. And the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is already out there in the ether as a potential NFL coordinator, I think that's already something that's on their radar. That's already something they're aware of. And and when you look at the timing of all of this, it would be easy to say, well, what this does is it makes it easier for them to call Cliff Kingsbury. Not that he's going to be the head coach, but you call him and you talk to him and you say, hey, can we just talk? And and what are you looking for? What do you think? You know, how would you go about this, this head coaching search? They can make those phone calls now. And they could hire Lincoln Riley tomorrow if they wanted. Now, Lincoln Riley is not going to be leaving his team before the, the bowl game in the college football playoff at the end of December, but they'd have time to call him. They'd have time to chat if they wanted. They could have an interview before that, even an informal one. So 
I don't think that that the structure and Mark Murphy being in charge is really that big of an issue when it comes to the broader scheme of things because the the big candidates are obvious. It's not like he's going to you know sh- this team is not going to hire the uh, the 2018 equivalent of Sean McVay. They're not going to hire some totally unproven offensive coordinator that that only people in the DC area have even heard of. That's just not going to happen when it comes to this coaching search. All right, this is another good one from Greg in California. Hey, Peter. What's happening? This is Greg from Creston, California. Telling you about the coaching change. I think it was time. But a good question for you, I think, is what do you think about naming Joe Philbin as the interim head coach instead of Mike Pettin when Mike Pettin's defense seems to be the only thing that really did improve this season? Uh, Joe Philbin still had a part in that offense that has been a dumpster fire all season. Um, I think the shortcomings of our defense can be attributed more to injuries than anything else, but I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. Thanks, Peter. Love the show. Talk to you later. I think Greg makes a good point here, and, and I addressed this a little bit at the top of the show, but yes, it's true Joe Philbin has been part of the problem this season, and apparently it was his call to, to punt the ball on fourth and two in Seattle or at least he was one of the people making that decision for Mike McCarthy or helping him make that decision. We're past that. And I, I, I just don't think that he's going to be evaluated as a head coach for next season. Now, he could be evaluated as an offensive coordinator, which, by the way, was not his title in Indianapolis when he came over. He was an offensive line coach and I think assistant head coach. But that's a, I mean, that's kind of a bogus title. He's going to want an offensive coordinator job this offseason, and he he probably can get one if this team does rebound and play better these last four games. It starts with the worst passing defense in the league, the, the Atlanta Falcons. So they should be able to score on the Falcons at home, but they should have been able to score on Arizona after what they did against the Chargers. They should have been able to score in a lot of games this season that they have not. So we will see, but I think this also dovetails with Trevor from from Rippin's question, Mark Murphy said in his Monday press conference with Brian Gutekinds that he views Joe Philbin as a legitimate candidate for a head coaching position next season. Do you think he is a viable candidate to be head coach for more than the next four games? And the short answer is no, he's not. Now, if they want to keep him, if they like him, the move is to say, hey, Joe, how would you feel about being OC? And we're going to bring in Dave Taub. That, that could be a thing. But here's the problem. You don't fire Mike McCarthy so you can promote Joe Philbin. You just don't. You fire Mike McCarthy because you think structurally this team is flawed with the coaching staff. And you probably think offensively this team needs a pretty serious revamping. And so Joe Philbin is just not the right guy for that job. He may be a very good offensive coach. I I think he probably is a very smart, very capable offensive coach. The players like him. He is, he is not a viable head coaching candidate in Green Bay and maybe not anywhere after what happened in Miami. I think he can do himself a lot of favors. I think he can he can coach himself into an offensive coordinator job somewhere else. I think if Mike McCarthy gets another head coaching job, which he can get if he wants it, that Joe Philbin is going to be a candidate to be his OC there. Although if I'm the next owner or GM who hires Mike McCarthy, I tell him, you you better find someone else. We need a newer voice. We need we need some sort of innovation. We need to push this offense forward in a way that you have not been willing to to this point in the last few years. Um, 
Joe Philbin can make this team better in the short term, but he is not a, a future head coach. I just don't know how you sell that to your players and to your organization. How do you sell, well, Mike McCarthy wasn't good enough, but his protege is. And you probably keep Joe Philbin. And then it's like, well, then at that point, and you probably keep Mike Pettin. And so then it's like, at that point, why even make the move? Why don't you just bring everybody back? And that's obviously not what this team wanted to do. All right, we'll be back tomorrow for Crossover Wednesday. We do need to actually talk about the football game that's happening on Sunday. So we will we will have Crossover Falcons, Crossover Packers on Wednesday. Talk a little bit about another team that, frankly, may be talking about firing its head coach this, this offseason. Uh, Dan Quinn had a chance to, to really give himself a shot, and 28-3 went out the door. And it, and it turns out maybe having a defensive coach from Seattle if you don't have Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and Michael Bennett and Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, is not going to necessarily be the greatest. You need the players too, and and Dan Quinn I think is a good coach. But we're going to talk to to Aaron Freeman about this, the host of Locked On Falcons, about whether or not Quinn may also be coaching for his job this week. And uh, certainly we'll have plenty to discuss. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Remember to like us on Facebook, subscribe to the show, leave a rating, a review, let other people know why you listen to this show, why you like it, and why you you give your time. I understand that that when it comes to podcasts, people vote with their time. And by, by taking the time to listen, you are saying you like this show. Let other people know why you like this show by leaving a review and letting them know why you like it at any time. You want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline. You can do that, 920-341-3775 to let me know how you are staying Locked On Packers.